0: Thank you again for the opportunity to be with you here at the Faustoria Baptist Church this evening. We're honored to be here on this very special occasion where you're honoring your pastor and wife and children for 10 years of ministry in this place. It's It's a great challenge and a blessing and it's an encouragement to hear pastors staying by the stuff in the same place. For a number of years it takes time to build a ministry and it takes time to be able to help and be the shepherd to the flock that is needed and necessary So let me urge you and encourage you to be praying for your pastor, his wife, and the children. And uh, let me encourage you to pray that the Lord would use them to bless the fellowship, bless the flock, and uh, minister to them as as they have need. So thank you again for the opportunity. Let me invite you to take your Bible and open it to Psalm 23. Very familiar uh, passage of scripture, and I do not intend to give an exposition of it, but what I do want to do is point out a couple of things that sets us for the message I want to share with you, and I trust this will be a help and a blessing to you in psalm twenty three The very first verse is very familiar with everyone it's almost like genesis one one it's a it's a verse out of the Bible that almost everybody knows, and can quote it simply says, "The Lord is my shepherd i shall not want that's a very simple statement for this psalm what's interesting is as you were to read the whole psalm and some of you i'm sure have even memorized it and that's a good thing this is a great psalm to commit to your heart it's used frequently in services and frequently in funerals it's a great psalm and it's a very optimistic very positive psalm what's interesting about this psalm is that there's not a single petition In the psalm, that is, not once does the psalmist ask for anything or beg for anything. Rather, he is rejoicing repeatedly in God's gracious and abundant provision for him. And the fact is that uh, there are some people who cannot say the Lord is my shepherd uh, because they do not know the shepherd. They have never placed their faith in Jesus Christ, and it's like one of those things in the Scripture. Uh, This really doesn't have any relevance to you unless you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And then you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, and all the other things that the psalmist says then can be applicable to your life. Apart from that, they can't. If you're in the audience this evening and you've never in your life trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this psalm is foreign language to you. Because this is really designed for God's people. Folks who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, trusted Him for the salvation that He has given. And they're trusting Him to the point that uh, they really know that their needs will be supplied. Uh, My God shall supply all your needs, Apostle Paul told the Church of Philippians. Philippian church at Philippi he said my God shall supply all your needs according to in essence his riches and glory now look from this passage of scripture I think it makes a a good stepping stone to go to where I want to spend our time together this evening and that's in Romans chapter 8 in Romans chapter 8 the Lord had laid on my heart a long time ago in fact, one of the things I was going to preach the first time I got back in a pulpit somewhere would be from this passage about this truth, because one of the things that uh, I take from um, Psalm twenty-three, verse number one, is is that the the person who, in this case, will will say is a sheep. One of the sheep said, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." That is to say, there's it's not that you're not going to get hungry and need some food, but it is to say that the Lord will supply needs and He'll make provisions and so forth and that's what the Psalm of Psalm 23 is really emphasizes in laying before us. In Romans chapter 8, look if you would uh, please um, in verse number 26 to begin with. In verse 26 it says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us." us with groanings which cannot be uttered now the thing about that verse of scripture is it sets us up for the romans 8:28 text which says and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are the called according to his purpose so in verse 26 it said we don't know what we should pray for all the time we're not certain about that and there's a reason why we don't know what we ought to pray for because we don't know the future we have no clue about what's going to happen the next minute, let alone the next week or the next month or so forth. And in fact, our weakness in prayer is our inability to see what's coming. We just don't know. And in fact, you may pray for something to, to spare, be spared from something which really would have been good for you. Uh, or it may be that you were prayed for things that would be harmful or destructive to you. You didn't know. You didn't know that's what would happen. So it says, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. That's just a standard principle Sit through the scriptures. We just don't know what to pray for as we ought. It's been said in the last analysis, our best prayer would be, Father, into thy hands I commend my life and all its living, doeth what seemeth good to you. Not my will, but thy will be done. Romans eight twenty eight is built upon that idea that we do not know what lies ahead. We're just not certain what's going to come down the pipe. And uh, to some people, they're scared to death. To other people, they look challenged by it as believers. They just want to see what the next big thing is. But by loving God and being called according to His purpose, I can uh, be sure that all things are going to work together for good. And uh, I don't have to know the future, but I must know, love, and trust the one who holds the future. I don't have to know the future. In fact, I, I, I was reading somewhere long ago, and it said, Prophecy is not given primarily to tell you what the future holds. It's given primarily to tell you who holds the future. In fact, God writes the history. I mean, He's already written what's going to happen. And if you want to know what's going to happen In the present, you just go to the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, and they tell you what's going to happen. You know, why? Because the Lord already knew. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to happen in your life, specifically, practically, in the next 24 hours. He knows all that. He knows it's coming. But he also wants you to know and understand that all things work together for good. And he sets up those two principles. In fact, in verse 28, we sometimes have people who skip this, But the the verse does say, we know that all things work together for good to them that, number one, love God, and to them who are called according to his purpose. Now, the thing about that is I've heard people on television, you know, the evening newscast, some circumstance would happen and they'd say, well, it's just good that all things are going to work together for good. That's not necessarily true for everybody. This is not written to everybody. This is written to the sheep, of which Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. Uh, We don't really have a reason to fear, and we don't really have a reason to want, and we don't really have any reason why we can't just take the moment and live it to God's glory, because He's saying to us, rest, I'm taking charge. You love me, and you're called according to my purpose. I'll make sure that everything, everything... All things work together for good. That's what I want to speak to you about this evening, taking this verse, and maybe we'll call it taking it apart, so to speak. But let me give you some uh, heads up right away. First off, I was reading in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 the other day, and it said, In everything give thanks. You know, you just think about that. One first would have to believe Romans 8.28 in order to obey First Thessalonians 5.18 How are you going to give thanks for everything if you do not believe that everything works for your good as being loving God and called according to his purpose? You just couldn't do it. It, 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 it just wouldn't come out freely. Now, you might say it, but in your heart of hearts, you're mm, I'm not sure about this. But he's saying, you know, you know he wants you to in everything give thanks. When things don't go your way, give thanks. Why? Because the Bible assures us in Romans eight twenty-eight that if you love God and you're called according to His purpose, then He is going to work these things out. I was reading in a little uh, pad of notes I had a few days ago, and I was reading this. It says, Joseph's brothers hated him and sold him into slavery, but God meant it unto him for good, to save much people alive as Genesis 50 and verse 20 says, it was Haman. He tried to destroy the Jews in the days of Queen Esther, but instead, their leader Mordecai was elevated to prime minister, and Haman was hanged on the own, on his own gallows. Daniel, enemies, they maneuvered him into the lion's den, but these enemies themselves were later devoured by these animals, and King Darius decreed quote that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the god of daniel for he is the living god and steadfast forever daniel 6:26 says and in that awful hour that satan in the powers of darkness jesus died on the cross but having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly Triumphing over them in it—that's Colossians two fifteen. What all that says is these things looked awfully bleak for these people when they took, you know, experienced them. But what was going on was God was in charge, and God is in charge right now. Look at the verse Romans eight twenty eight, and notice if you would. First off, uh, God's plan for His own reflects benefit. God's plan for his own, those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, reflect benefit. The verse says, all things work together for good. For good. We must remember, and God knows the big and the long picture. He is working out in our lives and the lives of everyone who knows Christ and who loves God and who is called according to his purpose. The short look may not seem so good, our Father always does right and he does it for our good. That's always what he wants from us. Trust me. Trust me, he would say. Take Job as an example. It it took years to see the good that he you know, that God did in his life, but he trusted the Father along the way, and nonetheless, even though what he was running into and bumping into, it, there are a couple of things Job said that we should um, think about and think through and then say ourselves when we suffer loss for instance one of them is this listen to the verse it's in job 121 the lord gave and the lord hath taken away blessed be the name of the lord now there's someone who believes that god's in charge and and god gave it but god took it back and that's fine blessed be the name of the lord and then in job 2 in verse 10 in response to his wife's encouragement to curse god and die job said quote What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? The Holy Spirit, who breathed this book, added this, In all this did not Job sin with his lips. That tells us Job was cooperating with the Heavenly Father to reach the goal that was set for him, which is set forth in Romans 8 28 and 29 for it says for you know we know all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son job knew even though he didn't read the verse that god was working on him to conform him to the image of his son and he cooperated with him. He did not worry. He was, he was concerned at points. And every time you read a book of Job, you'll see that he, he, he was, I guess, just a little confused about what was going on, understanding that he had tried to do right and to do righteous things. But note, anything that can make us more like Christ is called good. So all things work together for good to them who love God and who are called according to His purpose. And good is anything that will help you to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Fact is, regardless of its effect on our comfort or our health, our success, or our pleasure, if it will make us more like Christ, it's good from God's standpoint. It's been said, becoming Christ-like does not often thrive in the midst of material comforts. It just usually doesn't. It often comes by the challenges that come with life. Then the second thing in this uh, verse 8, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 28, God's plan for his own reflects activity. Notice it says, all things work together for good. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And verse 13 of chapter 2 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's got a plan for us, and he's working in our lives. We need to cooperate with him and need to understand that all things are going to be working together for those good work or redemption by christ was finished when he died on the cross and rose again but christ is not finished with his work in us on us and for us if you have a notepad you can write down these verses hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 and 25 and here's what they say, Hebrews seven twenty four. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. What you understand by that is that in this passage of Scripture that uh, the Lord is busy. He's doing the intercessory work. And He's still working on our behalf. And He's working for us. And He's working in, in by the Holy Spirit in us. And the fact is that this verse of Scripture makes that perfectly clear. And notice in there, it says, Save them to the uttermost. The passage is in, in verse number 25, Wherefore, He is able to save them to the uttermost. Most often when we hear that word, spoken of when somebody reads that verse they'll talk about uh, he's able to save to the uttermost he can take the guy out of the gutter and he can save him and he can he, he can take a guy out of drugs and he can save him and he can and he does but technically that's not what the word is saying the word that's used for uttermost is the greek word penteles penteles is a word that means full ended completion or perfect What he's saying is that he saves people completely. He doesn't start it and say, oh, I'm going to save you, but I'm just going to kick it in gear and you got to get the rest of it. I don't know what he's saying. This verse means he saves us to the uttermost completion. He saved us to the end. Finally and completely in all ways, Jesus Christ did it, and he did it as our high priest who finished what he started in us. It uh, is uh, representing us at the throne of God. And he's doing Christ not only saves us, but as his work there at the throne room, throne room of heaven, he sustains us. He keeps us in our salvation. So we are saved and we're secured by his work that he does on our behalf. So not only do we have this thing about the, uh, the total... Uh, accomplishment of it, it's for our good, and that's the benefit, but also the activity, it works. And then in Romans eight twenty eight it says God's plan for His own is inclusive. That means all things work together for good. All things means all things. Everything in every area of our lives as believers is under the beneficial work or control of God. Some people believe that overall view of life is under God's control for good, but they hesitate to believe that every detail of our life is the object of his loving concern. And yet that's what the text says of Romans 8. Back over in Matthew chapter 10, here's what the Bible says in chapter 10, verse 29. It says, "...are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father?" Verse 30 says, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. May I say to you, those verses of Scripture, the sparrow doesn't fall without his notice, and your hair doesn't decrease in number without his notice. So let us be reminded, and in no way whatsoever is it a matter of such things as luck, or uh, any of the other words they might use, Just that's just fortunate, or that's nice, None of that works in this situation. What this is saying, this is taking it into account that every single thing, an inclusive statement on God's behalf, uh, tells us that it's working for us. Ephesians 1.11 says, Of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. And he's talking about and understanding the whole principle of the scriptures is that God is sovereign. We all know that. You believe that. We believe that. That's a fine thing. Either God is sovereign over everything or He's not sovereign at all. You see, if God left an element of, of of existence over here that was out of control, that He didn't have any control over, God wouldn't be controlling any of the rest of it because these things would. These issues would. This group would. This circumstance would. I would remind you of something. And, and I found this some years ago and it's been a blessing. <clears throat> and that is that uh, the word... Uh, Uh, Chance is uh, found four times in the Old Testament. It's found two times in the New Testament. Uh, Sunkurio is the Greek word in the New Testament that's used. And literally what the word chance means, the Greek word means in the New Testament is a meeting together with. What he's talking about is a concurrence of events is what the word signifies rather than have chance As our English word often sets forth, an event takes place or happens without human working or expected for, uh, you know, work or what we say, cooperation. What it's saying is the effect of this is there's there's unknown. They just, these circumstances come together. And what the word is putting forth is we don't know how it happened. We just know by chance. Well, what it's saying is there are two events and they are coming together that's what the word actually means and uh, somebody would say well we'll, we don't know what that means well let me tell you what it means a thing to arrive or come without human design or expectation but it's not without God either planning it or permitting it to move toward this big picture purpose so even in the word chance as it's given in the scripture It simply means that these two things came together at the same time. Well, who brought them together? Well, we know full well who did. I mean, you you don't have to go through much of a list uh, to understand what that is. Somebody made this quote, and it's a good one. Nothing has ever happened that did not flow in the channel God dug for it. Nothing has ever happened that did not flow in the channel that God dug for it. And regarding the the casting of lots, people say, well, how are you going to explain the casting of lots? Very simply, you take a Bible verse. It's uh, found in Proverbs 16, verse 33. Proverbs 16, 33. Quote, the lot is cast into the lot, a lamp. But the whole disposing thereof is the Lord's. It's of the Lord." The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. I mean, God's controlling that. Remember when Jonah was um, in the ship trying to get away from his calling to Nineveh, what God had sent him up there to do, and uh, they cast lots regarding who was guilty of the storm at sea, and um, you can read it in the book of Jonah, chapter number one, verse seven, the lot fell upon Jonah. It wasn't bad luck, it was no luck at all. It was God's doing. He saw the prophet who was trying to run away from his calling and his responsibility, and God controlled the lot casting, just like Proverbs 16.33 says so. And also, there's in this fourth thing. In Romans 8.28, God's plan for his own is harmonious. You see, it says all things work together. and and work together for good. The events of the believer's life is not unrelated. They are not unrelated. They are related. I read an article uh, sometime back about prescription drugs. Many prescriptions are a compound of a number of drugs. If we separated them, some parts would be poisonous for us to take on their own. But when you combine them with the right amounts of other drugs they do us good. I found out that in planting a garden on packages of some cases of lima beans, it says on there that they're poisonous, eaten raw. And that's why you when you cook them so folks leave the lid off so the gases can get out of it. Now I am gonna eat some lima beans to find that out, but that's what the book said. And that's what the park packages said. And I've even read about rhubarb, that the stalks are wonderful. They make a lot of good stuff. People eat rhubarb all the time. But the leaves are poisonous, we're told. Now, the fact about that, that's a, sort of a, a strange combination. But what it's saying is you don't have that situation when it comes to things happening in your life. There's not some things that are good and some things that are bad. The Bible is saying in Romans eight twenty-eight, God's plan for his own is harmonious. He'll work it so all the things work together for good to them that God God called a purpose or has a purpose for, and they're cooperating with him to get it done. So that, it's an interesting thing to me that it's easy to, to, to read this text, but then to sort of qualify it to say, well, not, not just everything, but some things. No, no, it's either all or none. Either everything does work together with God or it doesn't. So a person has to come to a conclusion whether he's going to take and embrace God's word in Romans eight twenty eight, or he is just going to pass over it and excuse himself from believing it. A word of warning, when things go bad, and I'm talking really bad, uh, your heart may be broken and your eyes may let loose with a flood of tears. You may be tempted to say, all these things are against me, but they're not. You remember or get acquainted with that passage in Genesis chapter 42 and verse 36. The Bible says, Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children, Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away. All these things are against me. The fact is, they were not against him. They saved him and all of his people from starving out of existence in fact Paul's words in first Corinthians four and verse number five make very clear good for us when we feel like things are falling apart judge nothing before its time and time is when God has finished his work on our behalf and in what Jacob did not know was God was working out the plan through Joseph to impact all of Jacob's family. He was going to take care of all of them, and he did. As tragedy overwhelmed Joseph, his uh, abuse of his brothers, his taken away from his father, his unjust and unfair imprisonment, his hopes would rise and only to get shot down, and his being forgotten by those who said they would remember him would seemingly be enough humanly speaking, to wonder if all things work together for good for God's people. But, beloved, they did, and they do. In chapter 50, in verse 20, interestingly, Joseph's father had been buried, and his brothers feared payback. But in Genesis, chapter 50, verse 20, here's what he said, But as for you, ye thought evil against me but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as is this day to save much people alive. That's not what those brothers expected. They expected he was going to get them for what they had done to him. But it's interesting. But what they got was a lesson in Romans eight, twenty-eight. He thought it evil against me. But God meant it unto me for good, to bring to pass saving of lives, to preserve a people. And He did it even when I thought maybe it was lost cause. Well, let me tell you, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I know one thing for sure God is there. There There's a song that uh, we used to have at our church sung, and uh, people would sing this song there and it always was a blessing to me and a real encouragement and it's a, a song that's a it's um based on a, a passage of scripture in fact let me let me read the passage to you it's a it's a great passage and uh when i heard the song and i have heard it over and over and over again my heart always is encouraged and what the passage of scripture says and Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Here's what it says. 139 of Psalm, verse number 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend unto heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. God is there. The Lord always precedes his own people throughout every life experience. He precedes them. Revelation 7 and 17, Even when life on planet earth is over, we're safely home. The Lamb of God shall feed and lead and wipe away All of our tears. He's always there. The song written by Faye Lopez goes, Whither can I go from thy spirit? And where can I flee but to thee? If I descend or ascend, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning or dwell in the uttermost sea, surely there shall thy hand guide me. Thou art there. God is there when I am searching God is there when I'm afraid. God is there when sorrow breaks my heart and leave my life dismayed. God is there when life's uncertain, when I am alone, when I'm betrayed. God is there. He'll be my fortress. God is there. God is there in the life of the believer, and that's why every person ought to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I don't have to worry about my future, it's in His hands. My life is in His hands. I don't know when I'll leave this world, but I know the one who holds my life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And He doeth all things well and All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. If you know Christ, please cooperate with Him on His purposes. When things come that are unpleasant, just know He's doing it to change you into His likeness. And it may be painful. It may be tearful, painful, painful. And it may be awful at the moment. But it's good. Because it's going to get you, and it's going to get me with my circumstances, closer to him. I say to you, if you don't know Christ, you can know him tonight. And as we close the service tonight, I hope that if you don't know him, you'll speak to the pastor or one of the men at the front. And they can show you from the scriptures how you can know Christ as Savior. And celebrating the pastor's 10th year here, you can know that all the bumps and the holes in the road that you've all gone through together... God had a plan. God trains us through this. And he brings the pastor's family and the church family closer together. I hope you'll take to heart these things. And may God bless you and use you all for his glory. I turn it over to the pastor.